Electricity. Pure electricity. If I could describe Josh Levin in any word, it would be just that. Pure electricity. But not just the way you're thinking. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Trendsetters Podcast, where we continue our Trendsetter CMO series, where our founder, Jake, sits down with some of the world's most innovative and passionate CMOs. On today's episode, we welcome someone a bit different than normal. Josh Levin is the founder and CEO of Empowered Electric, an Inc. 500 company that was started not only to provide electrical services that are better, faster, and cheaper, but also aimed at caring more about the people than the profit. This mindset is exactly what makes Josh so different than many CEOs and executives. As you'll hear in today's episode, Josh cares a lot about his workers and his consumers. Jake and Josh have some electric conversations about COVID-19, brand aggressiveness, and why you should look outside of your industry for new tactics. Trust me, you'll feel the energy in this one. Josh, it's a pleasure to have you on. We have uh, been connected for some time now. You obviously have your own podcast, which is far better than our own. I actually have been studying it a little bit to uh, incorporate some elements at ours. So uh, it's going to be awesome to have you on and uh, curious to get into it. For those that don't know, uh, you know, what Empowered Electric is and who you are as a firm, could you give us a quick uh, background on that? Yeah, man. Um, so, I mean, when it, when it comes down to it, we're a commercial electric company. We make light bulbs come on. Um, that's really the work that we do. I think it's, it's, it's extremely important work. Um, we have grown in five years to uh, 44 employees. We're on pace to do 13 million in revenue this year alone. Um, in the first four years, we did over 20. So, dude, it's been a, it's been a pretty crazy ride, um, you know, taking a very new school approach to a very old school industry construction you know most of your listeners probably think like isn't that what my grandpa did or my uncle um yes. those weird dudes that eat freaking taquitos for breakfast at quick trip <laughs> um yeah that's kind of the industry that we're in and it's been fun because like most things man it just hasn't been disrupted and i don't think we're gonna amazon it or netflix it but we definitely are making a huge wave here in the kansas city area for sure yeah that's incredible and you obviously already set the stage for that disruption conversation and I think a big question to have there is not just, you know, where disruption exists, but how do you disrupt what is an older market and almost change that way of thinking? Because uh, what, what I often hear, particularly from younger individuals, everyone's got the new Uber for this, the new Amazon, the new Netflix for this business model, and they're all just variations of each other. They aren't actually entering new markets and new industries. It's just like, some new app idea, some new fashion brand. I'm sure you hear the same thing. There's nothing wrong with that, but when you enter a market like construction, uh, it's, uh, that allows you to stand out more because then when you do new disruptive things, um, 
you know, it can actually stand on the market, but entering that market, there might be a greater barrier to entry. So obviously you had a background in it personally, but what was your actual process of almost being something entirely different than what the construction, you know, industry has seen for so long? Well, that's what I I think. I think like true um, disruption or invention or, or, or some, some, some word, I don't, the words on the tip of my tongue, but I don't fully have it, but it's like, you don't have to do something new. You can take a new idea to a very old thing. So yes, with Tesla's, for example, Elon Musk, he didn't reinvent the car. Yeah. He just tried to make an electric car. You, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe if he would have tried to do like, uh, flying cars that wouldn't have worked, but like he just took a model, a little variation to a proven industry. So like electricals, the construction industry, it is a multi-trillion dollar a year industry here in America. And like one of the, the small little simple things we did was we just went all in on social media. And so like most construction companies don't do that. So when yeah. it came to Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and, and the podcast, we just said, okay, what, what if we took what Gary Vee is saying that all these tech people and stuff are trying to do and we applied it to construction, would it be worth seeing, you know, and yeah. it really did create a lot of brand awareness. Um, and so I would just say to everyone listening, like take new ideas to old trends or new ideas to old industries. Like that's where like some real massive innovation can happen. And number two, you've got, you know, you hear a lot of people say, do what you're passionate about. And like a lot of times what you just said is people actually aren't passionate about creating the next Uber such and such, the new app. What they're what they're interested in is making it big. Yeah. And I think that's your goal. You're going to fail. Um, like making it big is not a, a worthwhile goal. And so I loved electrical. Like I I fell in love with a girl and was going job after job after job trying to basically convince her dad that I was successful enough to let me marry her daughter, his daughter. Yeah. And I kind of got the opportunity to become an electrician. And I seriously put in my two week notice and quit before I even had the job. Because when I thought about being an electrician, I thought I was going to look like a power ranger. It was going to be super (laughs) freaking cool, dude. I just, I loved the idea of doing electrical. So whenever I started an electric company, it was like, I wasn't like, man, this sucks. I don't really want to do the work. Because at the beginning, it was just me. I mean, I was making the light bulbs come on. And so being very passionate about what I was doing and just taking new ideas to a proven industry really opened up a lot of opportunities for us. Definitely. I think that's the right approach to it as well. Little key takeaways there is, um, you know, if you're not able to actually enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the process when it's just you, then it's it's not going to actually have the ability to grow and scale. And so, you know, as we think about that, the question is always, well, how does a scale bet if we haven't even grown at all or before we see even revenue, we're asking how it scales. And that's probably the wrong question to ask is so instead of beginning with end in mind of, you know, reaching the summit per se, it's actually let's find the pathway that that we're going to enjoy further. And an interesting note that you threw in there was. Yeah, was your approach to social media, which obviously, you know, we're decent advocates of for ourselves and for our client partners. Um, But, you know, a lot of the questions that I hear regarding social media is, you know, it's not commonplace in my industry. Where is the ROI? Um, How does this actually, you know, convert from brand awareness that we see in consumer markets into more of a B2B industry? 
How do you typically approach, not necessarily those questions that you're not being asked, but how have you found success thus far connecting it to the bottom line, which is a question I think uh, we're always going to have, particularly as an agency. Yeah. So um, all those kinds of questions, I think all those questions are super important. And luckily, I have a business partner that has 25, 30 years in the industry. So he does some he does keep us grounded because a kite without a string just blows away and doesn't doesn't it's no fun. Right. And so whenever I talk, I I basically pitch him the ideas of what we're going to do video marketing, all this kind of stuff wise. I mean, we sponsored two of Kemet the Phantoms concerts here locally. Um, awesome hip hop guy, um, Kemet Coleman. Awesome dude. Uh, look him up on, on iTunes and all that kind of stuff. But he's always kind of asking what's the ROI. And honestly, I just recorded a podcast. It was our last Tuesday tune up where I said, F your ROI. Um, let's talk about EOI because this return on investment, this whole bullshit discussion about return, it's two things. Number one, it's fairy tale, Neverland, Peter Pan, and Tinkerbell. Like it's a make believe world. You don't know. Like it's subject to like everyone that that had a three hundred x ROI in their business plan also didn't have COVID nineteen in their business plan. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they didn't have the stay at home order and freaking ten million people unemployed. They didn't have that in their in there. So it's a make believe thing. And also ROIs typically to accurately measure them, you have to stop and look backwards. And I don't know if you ever played football, but the worst thing you can do when you're running with the football is stop and look backwards. Yeah. You're going to get smashed. And so I talk about EOI a lot, enjoyment of investment. So why do I like social media? Because I like storytelling, because I think we have a comparing, a compelling story to tell. Why do I like social media? Because it's not a bunch of flexes of, of me with a freaking car and a bunch of stupid crap. It's about the awesome restaurants that we're doing. It's about the really cool business owners, Emily and Dave Mobley, that opened a Limitless Brewing that's like one of the most charitable breweries you could ever meet in your life. It's about Gina with Girls on the Run, about how she's empowering um, at-risk uh, young girls with after-school running programs. So our social media isn't like, look at me, look at me. It's about look at all these amazing people out there. And I love talking about other people. So FROI, if you're asking about ROI, it's like, you probably don't even know how to measure that anyways. Yeah. Like, you're, you know what I mean? It's just, you're trying to sound smart. And so I just hate that. And whenever you say like, it's not proven in our industry, it's like, once again, there's where like invention can happen. It like, um, disruption can happen. And so I've walked into countless places and, you know, we have like a really cool shirt, like we have a yeah. cool logo and whatnot. And the amount of times that I meet people that I have no idea who they are and they're like, yo, Empowered Electric, we follow you guys. Um, and it's that brand recognition. Nobody in construction talks about brand. Yeah. So like when we started, we gave away 300 t-shirts before I even landed a job. It's like, why did I do that? Well, because a lot of people knew who we were and talked about us and talked about our logo, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Sorry to and, get preachy about that. but No, I think that's incredible insight. EOI is, uh, is an interesting KPI that I'm going to add to our data analytics repertoire. And I think that's important because social media is one of those things where it's also impossible to track. We are not going to know the side conversation. Like you said, too, there's no correct business plan and there's, there's no way you can predict the future. Um, in that, you can do the best you can in projection-wise, but it's just not going to exist. And, and so something I always think about within social media is like you never know how 
that post created that conversation at a country club or in this case on a Zoom call. And then that led to this, which led to this, which led to this, which came back to you in this form. Well, here's, here's what I can tell. And, and so to your listening audience, I don't use trendsetters media. Like I'm not a client. So this, yes, isn't this is not a, <laughs> this is a validation. This is a validation of you. The last six hires. So six electricians in a row. Everyone's talking about a labor shortage. Everyone's saying they can't find good help. Everybody's talking about not being able to find good, good talent. The last six hires we have made have all come off social media. They've come in and said, we've listened to every one of your podcasts. We know this is where we want to work. And this is like 20 year old journeyman versus and, and brand new first year apprentices. This is like people are watching. And so yeah. it's like my return on investment has been fantastic. And yeah. it's like, and I don't get paid to say that. I'm just saying, hey, keep ignoring it, construction. Keep it. You know, it's funny, like all the different styles, everybody that's like, you know, well, my, my company's just not good enough for social media. I'm like, bro, I install light bulbs. Like, <laughs> I do, like, what do I, like, I'm, I'm lame. I'm not a supplement company. I'm not a tech startup. I'm not a modeling agency. Like, yeah. like most of my guys are like, you know, construction dudes, you know, like yeah. we're not handsome fellas. I mean, actually, we got quite a few handsome fellas, but, um, you know, it's, it's just like, you keep making excuses why you're not trying when really it's just, I don't know. I I would say you're lazy or scared, but I I don't want to throw stones, but it's like, maybe that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, because what it does do is ultimately exposes brand and it exposes, you know, it gets it into the light, which is good if you. Uh, you know, have a confident product and service. It's not good if you can't actually back that up. So I think that's vital too. Yeah. Is it, you know, it's got to be authenticity and transparency. Um, and an interesting note, you know, when it comes to social media is, is those side conversations that like, like I mentioned before, you just can't track those. Um, yet that's where the true ROI is. So it does, you know, come back around. So yeah. something that, that was interesting, you mentioned the hiring perspective. That's something that I've seen within social media, but I think more so just having a sound brand overall. I can say for us, we have received probably 200 to 300 job applications over the past 90 days, strictly because of what we push, push on LinkedIn, Instagram, all those channels. And you know, it's younger guys and gals, so a little bit more connected individually. Um, we literally have people that are begging to work for us for free. And the only way that happens is through having an incredible brand. I think you've seen the same thing. So what, you know, what can you speak to in terms of that from a culture perspective, how social media might be able to display your culture, which also inversely kind of impacts it and they kind of go back and forth. Yeah. The hardest thing, what's fun for me is I was actually at this event the other day and, uh, it's this awesome structural engineer, Stan structure, um, structural engineer here locally in Kansas city. And the the owner was talking to me and he was like, listen, you know, you know, when you're like talking to someone and someone kind of is like slowly creeping into the conversation and he finally got over and I was like, Hey, what's up, man? And he goes, you know, I follow you on Instagram for a long time and I've always wondered, is this dude really this positive and energetic and just kind of go, go, go all the time? And he's like, I've been listening to you for an hour. Uh, yeah, you are. And and I think that's that's a big dilemma where like you have to make sure that the story you're telling in public is the same story in private. 
And like that can be massively different. And unfortunately there can also be like misconstrued ideas. So like one of our big things that we say is we care more about people and less about profit. And sometimes that means we're not going to discipline you. We're not going to fire you. We're not going to reprimand you if you do crappy work. And that's not true. Like that's not what people over profit stands for. Yes. And so sometimes the closer someone gets to a brand, the more they realize like, Hey, um, you know, just do it with Nike also means just do your job. Yeah. And like show up on time and like, you know, and that's not as sexy, but it's like, it's, it's also true. And so conveying our brand, um, in an authentic way has been hard. Um, not hard, but it's like what I say and what you hear could be different. And I try really hard to make them the same. And the other thing is honestly, a lot of people need to look in the mirror and the story that they're telling is bull crap. And so one of the reasons it's not Josh's electric is because this isn't just about me. But if you came to work here and I was paying you chunk change and I was riding around in a Bentley, you'd be like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, if I was buying my third Tesla and you're like cars getting repossessed, that's not that's not people over profit. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of bad companies out there that whenever, like we said in the beginning, they just want to make it big. They just want to make a lot of money. They want to work whenever they want to work, wherever they want to work, however they want to work. And it's like, if you want that kind of freedom, you better strive to be self-employed. Don't build a business. Yeah. Because like what you're doing at Trendsetters, you're not you're not being self-employed. You're like hiring people, you're growing, you're scaling. Oh yeah. And like I'm not bashing self-employment, but self-employment and business owner is massively different. And mm-hmm. like a lot of people, dude, go start Jake's Consulting LLC. Oh go yeah. Go do that. Go do your thing. But like we're not the same. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always have to remind uh, the team every once in a while, you know, of that. Of like, hey guys, the goal here. It, you know, hey, Jake, you know, why are we continuing to push? Why are we so focused on grow, 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 growing? And I got to remind everyone sometimes, and they don't really ask, but I just bring it up. I'm like, the reason we've gotten here to this level and been able to employ you is because early stage, we did that. And the first few hires we made yeah. did that. Now, as we expand out, now, I actually mentioned this in a team meeting this week was, you know, now this is on you. You guys can decide. We can stay stagnant. We can kind of you know grow month over month a little bit, or we can continue to rocket ship this thing and add more incredible team members that are like yourself. So think about every. You should not just be seeing contracts as numbers and as profit and this that and the other. You should look at that contract that you're about to win and and say that's going to be able to hire this individual who is then now that's going to change the course of his or her life potentially. You know if now they get to do what they actually love to do in media and marketing instead of either working a shitty job right now or for the, for the majority of young people simply out of work because that's the other reality of the market we're in right now is very few firms are hiring. Most are doing layoffs. I think we're both fortunate in the fact that you know, uh, you know, we've been able to at least maintain or even grow a little bit throughout this process. Um, now, there is no correct strategy to this and there's going to be incredible, you know, business studies on this over the next decade. But I am very, very curious to hear from you uh, how you've been approaching this pandemic thus far from a business owner perspective. And there's a lot of ways to take this. So I'll kind of let you take the lead and we can kind of dive into a couple different topics around it. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> for me, man, I, it's like we just dropped a video that said like foot on the gas pedal. And, you know, there there was this... Uh, 
when I was a first year apprentice, I was in electrical school. So you'd go to, and you'd work eight hours on the job and you'd learn, and then you'd go to a class afterwards and learn about circuit theory and nonsense. Um, and there was this guy there and he was also a race car driver. He's one of those dudes. I grew up, you know, way up North, North of Cameron drives dirt tracks and all this kind of stuff. And we're talking about race cars afterwards. And he's like, and I'm like, well, what sets apart a great race car driver from a crappy race car driver? You know, is it the car? Is it the pit crew? Is it this? And he goes, dude, honestly, everybody knows how to drive. It's like they've been driving since they were five years old. Everybody's got a great car. I mean, now nowadays, the engines, the flaps, all this stuff, he's like, everybody's got a good crew. He goes, really, when it comes down to it, what separates first from everyone else is when they're going into that turn and they see that wall coming up, it's whoever takes their foot off the, uh, what do you say, off the floorboard just for a second. He said, nobody takes their foot all the way off the gas. But it's the person that just lets up a little bit that takes second. He's like the guy that fearlessly goes forward. That's who wins. And it was, you know, I heard that story 16 years ago. And I was just like, when you see that wall coming up and everybody's getting scared and everybody's looking side to side going, who's going to let up? Not not who's going to close down, not who's going to take their foot all the way off the gas, who's not going to call it quits, but who's the person that's just going to slightly let up. And I'm like, fucking foot to the pedal, baby. You know, like... (laughs) I am not letting up. And so that's why we're hiring, we're bidding more than ever because like I'm not going to fail with a lack of opportunities. And so I'm just, I I, I mean, I might hit the wall. We might crash, um, but it's like we're not going to take second first or we crash. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, you have to, you have to come out first or last. I think uh, that's something I, you know, echo as a message to us is, you know, our goal here is to get there uh, we're also younger individuals, us as a team. And so I always echo the message of, Hey, I would much rather crash and burn trying to go for it all than to just remain average because mediocrity is worse than failing in my you know, opinion. Obviously yeah. you gotta, you gotta look at it in multiple ways, but yeah, I think that's an incredible visual like analogy of, of that approach yeah. because by no means I think is anyone just going to stop doing business, you know, just because of this. I mean, companies are going to go out of business for sure. But for those that aren't, I think we're not going to say, oh, you know, let's just take the next two months off. But we might let up on that gas a little. And I think that looking to the side analogy was a really great analogy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious to hear from you. How do you, you know, who do you look for, for advice, for mentorship, for insight, regarding these things when in your industry, you might be kind of a unicorn, you might be unique and standing out and there's no one to necessarily look to uh, as a beacon for what you should be doing. And I know that's something we feel all the time as an agency is there's no one really in our industry like us. So I'm curious to hear from you, you know, how do you find that insight? Um, whether that's industry specific or just other areas? Yeah, so I think, you know, one thing uh, that you have to do is you have got to look outside of your industry. So don't look at what other, like I would expect, and this, I don't mean to sound bad, but I would be very curious to how many guys that are like you in your industry, their idol is Gary V. Yeah. Um, it's like, Oh my God, if I could just be Gary V and D rock, if I could just do that. And it's like, I think you're going to miss out. Because yeah. one of the ways that we've really stood apart is I've looked at people like Gary Vee because Gary Vee's not in my industry or right. Jesse Eitzler or Sarah Blakely, um, people like that that are kind of outside of my industry that I go, what are they doing 
in the clothing line with Sarah Blakely with Spanx or Jesse Eitzler with like the raising capital to start a jet company without having any jets. Like, you know, yeah. guys like that, uh, Andy Fursilla, the MFC CEO and supplement superstore, like went all in on like uh, brand ambassadors before that was a thing, like in supplement companies. So I'm like looking outside of myself. We're like, you guys, like it might be beneficial for you to be reading comp- uh, books from like um, Henry Ford or, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, some dude that does like oil rigs and stuff like that. And just trying to, trying to look outside of things like that, you know, reading freaking Donald Trump's book or something. I don't know yeah. why, um, you know, just kind of looking outside of what everybody else is doing. Cause every one of like you guys in the sense of like marketers, I don't mean Gen Z. I just mean yeah, the yeah, marketing we are like looking at the same people and it's like, don't do that. You know, read Bren Brown or Brene Brown's new book or something like that. Like think different. Um, and that's something that we've really benefited from. Um, you know, we didn't wait. So we, so the, so, so for example, we've heard from all those people about pivoting constantly. No one in construction talks about pivoting. So now during this COVID epidemic and everybody's like, how do I pivot jobs? I'm like, dude, I've been pivoting for five years. I've been like mastering restaurants and then moving to breweries and then mastering breweries and moving to apartment complexes and mastering apartment complex and going to schools. And like, I've been doing this before I had to. So now I'm able to shift gears all over the place without, without, you know, any kind of slip. And so it's like for you guys, even it's like, dude, it would be very interesting if you were like, how could we as an agency show people a true ROI? Like rather than saying like, hey, it's not possible and it's hard to track, what if you could track it? Like that would yeah. be that would be huge. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like um, you know, we did Corvino Supper Club, Michael and Christina Corvino. Oh yeah. Awesome people. Awesome restaurant, right? And when we got towards the end of the project, this has a meaning. When we got towards the end of the project, they were over budget and things were going bad and all this kind of stuff. And we had to take control of some other work that wasn't in our scope. Um, And so we took it and I said, hey, Michael, Christina, I understand that you want to get open. You have got to get open, but you're scared of getting taken advantage of. Give me this scope of work. I'll do all of it and we'll show you the hours, the material. We'll show you all the invoices and you'll just pay that. You won't pay any markup, just that. And they said, okay, and we did it. Well, two weeks later, the job's over, they open, and we show them, we send them all the invoices and all this stuff, and their response was, oh, you are really going to do that? And it was like, yeah, we're really going to show you the actual price, the actual cost. We're not trying to take advantage of you. And it really bent, built a level of trust about showing them our, 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 like our, our costs. Yeah. And so like, they've become huge fans of us now. And like, it, it led to trust and, and future work and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's a big thing in construction is like people try to hide true cost to make more money. And we were like, Hey, we're not going to worry about that. We want to build, we want to show you the cost and build trust, not profit. And it's like, that's just something that we did way before, you know? Um, Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Like looking outside of your own industry for unique expertise that could be applicable inside of it. Because, you know, if everyone's just stuck in a silo, there's not going to be a true innovation within that. Yeah, that's incredible. 100%. Well, it, oh, go ahead. One, the, the other thing that I really listen to a lot, which is hilarious, is comedians. I'm like so in like over my head on listening to comedians talk about how they present and work out bits and stuff like that. Like as I, as I do the podcast and company meetings and sales pitches, I'm like, how can I work on a sales 
pitch like a comedian works on their bit. Like what words resonate better? What's the timing? How do I pause? You know what I like? How do I read a crowd? How do I deal with hecklers? Like all that kind of stuff. It's like comedians have really opened up a different world for me in thoughts of like sales and marketing. Um, I think they do it really, really well. Yeah, that's incredible. It's so interesting to be able to see how you take, you know, an insight or knowledge or learning from this space, this vertical industry and apply it. Uh, but at the end of the day, everything is applicable and there's no right way to do things. It's just what the industry tells you there needs to be. But as you've proven, going against the industry norm yeah. is sometimes the best option you can do. Yeah. yeah. But, but only go against the norms when the light bulbs are coming on. Correct. Like if I, was, if I had a great Instagram page, but none of my light bulbs came on, they're not, you know what I mean? Like, and I think sometimes people are, they're like, they project out this great thing and like nothing works. And it's like, okay, hold on, hold on. You got to yeah. know your skill right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think, so. you know, selling something that you, selling something that you don't actually believe in and doesn't actually work is probably the quickest way to, to, to lose and get burnt out. You're just going to lose faster because yeah. you're selling it right. Well, yeah. I appreciate it, man. This was an incredible episode. There's a lot of takeaways here. Uh, and I know you obviously have your own podcast. Do you want to share some insight into what that is and uh, see if we can get some listeners over? Yeah, man. So what's fun for our listeners or, or for our podcast, it's called the Empowered People Podcast. Our company's Empowered Electric, so there's some some carryover there. Um, but when I started Empowered Electric, one of the things that I was doing leading up to that is for five years, I went every single Wednesday to a juvie hall, a juvenile detention center, and I spoke to about 40 boys and about 26 girls. And every single week, I would talk to them about their past not dictating their future. I would talk to them about their past or their future being brighter than their past, you know, about ways to break through the cycles of poverty, addiction, and self-defeat. And because I come from a household that was just that, I grew mm-hmm. up extremely poor. Um, There was a lot of physical abuse going on, mental abuse. There was a lot of poverty and moving and just kind of a very, very bad childhood. And now I'm happily married for almost uh, 11 years. I have four beautiful kids. I have a successful company that's employing a lot of people. I've, I've broke through a lot of those things. And so the podcast is an overflow of, hey, I don't want to be your influencer. I don't want to be your leader, but I do want to be an example to everyone that has felt stuck that has felt like their best days were behind them, that feels like they don't know how to succeed and they've they've heard their entire lives who and what they could become. It's like, I want to be a voice of hope and inspiration to those people. Um, It's not, there's a lot of entrepreneur advice in there, but there's a lot of storytelling. There's a lot of like personal development because like, you know, you know, that's just, I've, I've done it. You know, I've, I've achieved it. And it's funny, like, I love, you know, so not, not not bashing these people, but, you know, I love Gary Vee. I love Tony Robbins. I love Andy Frisilla and Grant Cardone. But if we're all completely honest, you know, LeBron James is one in a hundred million. Exactly. And you can go try to be LeBron James and you're probably not going to be. But yeah. can you work really hard and achieve the level of success that I have? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm being dead honest that every single one of you could in five years with the right attitude and the right work ethic, be running a company of 40 people and be doing $10 million in revenue and have great relationships. And, you know, and so that's what the podcast is a lot about. Um, yeah. So, and I don't come away from talking about the crap. Um, yeah. I, I spoke, I learned, I learned to speak by talking, you know, by holding the attention of a bunch of 
ragtag Judy Hall kids that yeah. were freaking awesome. But I got a lot that F you white boy, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, so. And I love that you anyways. have your own podcast because it's just so much more real when it comes from an individual that isn't sitting on necessarily 5 million employees and billions of dollars by any means. Obviously you guys do incredible for yourself and, and for the company, but it's, it's just, it takes on much more meaning and authenticity. And so I would echo everyone that, you know, you don't have to cut out all of your favorite influencers per se, but I think it's a little bit more valuable when it comes from someone who uh, you can see a little bit more eye to eye with. It's kind of hard to see eye to eye with some of the individuals you mentioned that just, you know, are, are I don't want to say at a different level, but it's like you said, they're the LeBron James they, of what they, they do. Are. They are. I mean, they are. I mean, yeah. So that's the thing. It's all, I love, so I love Tim Ferriss. I love Tim Ferriss's podcast, but he interviewed, uh, is her name, um, Ariana Huffington, um, yeah. or Ariana Huffington, the Huffington post. Awesome lady, awesome interviewer, crazy skilled. But she had talked about in the podcast that she had, a, a like a mental breakdown and a fatigue collapse because she was working too hard. And now she sleeps 12 hours a day and how sleep is the most important thing thing you can do and i just said bullcrap like bullcrap sleep is so important i get that but you're able to sleep 12 hours a day because you slept four hours a day building the huffington post exactly lebron james talks about spending over a million dollars on his health now well he can do that because he lived on pop tarts and kool-aid and and slept at the basketball court for the majority of his life and so like i'm more focused about that the, the come up like, I love the rapper Russ. Do you know who Russ is? Oh, yeah. That's my guy. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. His first CD, There Really Is a Wolf or whatever it's called, is way different than this new one. Because that first one's about the come up. This one's about he made it. It's, it's a real different vibe. And, like, I like this. I love listening to LeBron James. But there is something about that college athlete that hasn't made it yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I kind of resonate with them a lot more. Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, all of us as an audience can better connect with individuals who aren't necessarily at that incredible status. So I think the huge, you know, the big takeaway there is to really find mentorship and advice and insight from, you know, individuals that are real per se, not the LeBron James of what they do. But yeah, this has been incredible, man. Uh, I should probably shut us off because if I don't, this could probably go for like nine hours. Uh, So anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Go check them out on Instagram and all the other social media platforms of which they will be on despite being a, uh, in the construction industry. So, uh, go check that out and give the podcast a listen to, and it was a pleasure and I'll see you all next week. Um.